Committing to a daily ritual requires motivation and patience, but the payoff can be rewarding. For some people, this ritual is cooking, and for others, it's journaling. Now step in John Donahue, former New Yorker editor, cartoonist, and author. For the longest time, John's ritual of choice has been drawing. Just hop on over to his site, all of the restaurants, and peruse hundreds of his New York City restaurant sketches. Pencil in hand, John has traveled all across New York City and more recently around London and Paris to document the facades of iconic restaurants. And the possibilities are endless. From sketching a secret cocktail bar above a burger joint, to drawing cues of people waiting in line for dinner in London, to illustrating his dish racks and toy ducks, John hopes that he'll never run out of things to draw. I hope you enjoy my interview with John today. You're listening to Gouda Talks, a podcast about food and culture hosted by Jess Ng on WHRB 95.3 FM. What was the first restaurant you drew and what was that experience like? Oh, I, I remember it very well. It was the Odeon in Tribeca. And I can still remember standing on the corner drawing it and thinking, you know, let's see what happens, basically. The thing I like about drawing is that it really puts me in the present moment unlike anything else. And that's really the motivation for the whole project. It happens to be about restaurants because people are interested in that. I have a practice where I draw two times a day. And for the last three or four years, one of those times that I draw is in the evening and I draw my dish rack. So I've drawn my dish rack um, maybe like a thousand times, but I don't feel like uh, there's as much interest in my dish rack as there is in uh, potential interest (laughs) in my dish rack as there are in restaurants. So I, I remember drawing the Odeon yet like it was yesterday, basically. When you were starting this project, did you always think it was going to be this book or was it something more for fun? Because I know like you were saying you did something where you're drawing your dishes, but how, how did it sort of spiral into a book? Uh, well, I, that was a very conscious uh, decision to do it as a book. But really what I do is, is, is I draw and I need to figure out more ways to get drawing into my life. So I started the project as a website it's a it's a website where i sell limit signed limited edition prints you said do i do this project for fun did i started for fun and kind of i just it's more serious than that not that fun is not serious when, when i started drawing i realized it makes me a much better person much better parent um makes me much more present in the world and i wanted to find a way to keep doing that and so or doing more, do more of that. So that's why I started the restaurant project. I figured there's 24,000 restaurants in New York and I'll never run out of um, subject material. So what got you into drawing in the first place? Uh, well, I started drawing maybe 20 or so years ago. I taught myself how to draw um, basically on the subway. I took classes at the Art Students League and the School of Visual Arts and things like that. But I was working full-time as an editor and um, the only real time I had to draw was on the subway, especially then after I had kids. And then when, when I was at The New Yorker, which is where I worked, um, I did publish five cartoons. So I took the drawing in, in a certain direction at first. I was drawing cartoons. And that's really gratifying and incredibly fun. Difficult, but fun. But also uh, not really a way to make a living. So that's really what led to Man with a Pan, the book. And and then ultimately to this project. So how many years have you lived in New York? It seems like you've been there for a bit. Yeah, I um, realized just a few years ago that I've been in Brooklyn longer than I've been anywhere else, but I grew up in the suburbs north of the city. 
And then I moved to New York in the early 90s, and I've lived here ever since, basically. So when you were going on this eat, draw, repeat for all the restaurants, do you feel like you knew the city well? How well did this experience teach you of like knowing your city? Oh, uh, a great deal. It was The whole New York thing is very intuitive because I've lived here and I sort of know what places to include, like Junior's Cheese Shop and, you know, Junior's in downtown Brooklyn for its cheesecake and, um, you know, Mwell's in Long Island City for its high-end steaks and things. I just sort of knew from just being a person in New York and paying attention to food, you know, just kind of knew generally where things were and what what places to include for the most part. The series includes London and Paris, and I was in London last summer and Paris this summer, and that was a little bit of a different experience because I don't know anything about those cities or their food scenes. So I reached out to people who either live there or you know wrote about the city or whose opinions I respected, and I asked them for their recommendations. And then I triangulated between all of those sources to find the places that kept popping up on everyone's list. And so if a place got mentioned two or three times by two or three different people, I would know that it's important, even if I didn't know why it's important. Like what, what was something interesting that you discovered when you were in this foreign country? <laughs> well, in Paris, I don't really speak French. So in Paris, <laughs> I was in Paris on my own. That was like an interesting experience in being a functional illiterate, which, <laughs> which it turns out is not that difficult to do. Um, I mean, I know a few phrases and lots of people, sure, they speak English. And for this project, I don't really have too many demands, communication demands. I just stand outside a restaurant and I draw it for the most part. There is an element to the books that includes interior drawings, and that requires a lot of negotiation with owners and PR people. And I hired a freelancer who speaks French to translate and and negotiate those those engagements for me. But basically, um, it was fun. And then in London, when I was in London last summer, I was a little self-conscious about my accent because I'm a you know American, New Yorker. And the English, of course, they're always so great with their own language, right? They're very articulate. They're beautiful speakers for the most part, just to like crazy, make crazy generalizations. One thing that I was surprised by was that most of the people that I spoke to in my interactions who were mostly in the service business, like, you know, maitre d's at hotels or like clerks in a, in a supermarket or whatever. None of those people were speaking English as a first language. They were all immigrants from Eastern Europe. And I was really surprised by that. When you were going to these restaurants, you were saying you had to negotiate with, uh, with the owners, but were there times when people thought you were doing uh, something sketchy? Because I know that there was a New York Times article that had the title, A Sketchy Person Stalking Restaurants. And so I was wondering, <laughs> do you ever have that experience of like someone calling you out, like saying, what are you doing? Why are you just standing? Right. Yeah, that was a great headline. It's, um, it's one of the sad um, casualties of the internet that headlines have no longer become an art because when you when you want to title a piece for the internet, you have to be right on the nose so people find it in search engines and stuff. But Clearly, the copy editors at the Times were having fun with that headline for the print edition. That was great. Uh, no, most mo- I was standing on the Strand in London drawing a place in the middle of traffic, and I noticed that a police officer walked by me, and I wondered if they were just wondering what I was up to. But mostly, no, I've, I've had sometimes I've had owners or people come out of the restaurant and like want to talk to me and see what I'm doing and. Once in a while, I've been invited in for a dinner or something. That's very rare, but it has happened. You know, people are curious, so they, they look at 
what you're doing and for the most part they're happy to see it you know they don't really give me a hard time what makes you want to sit down and draw a restaurant yeah you were mentioning that there were recommendations but is it also sort of happenstance and random too um, in the New York project started out that way, but now it's much more intentional because most of the people, most of the drawings that I do now are requests. So they're people, they're places that people want. And the real sort of engine of this whole project is that it's about connections. The drawing connects me to a kind of a better part of myself and, and the drawings themselves, the images of the restaurants, they connect people to these experiences that they've had at the place where, you know, they had their first date or their dad used to eat there or they got engaged or, you know, that's where they signed that business deal. And so they have a connection to that place. And my drawings um, resonate with people. I know because they, people who bought them, bought the prints online have um, told me this, you know, that they're really touched to have the place. And it's all about connection and about bringing people together around um, a good experience. How often would you draw restaurants and how much time do you actually spend drawing a restaurant? Well, it takes me about 20 minutes to do the ink drawing. I work in ink from life, so there's no pencil under drawing. I stand in front of the place or to the side. It depends a little bit upon you know where the sun is or what the street furniture is like and how many pedestrians there are. I need to kind of be slightly sheltered next to like a lamppost or a mailbox or something because I get really into this zone where I'm concentrating and not really aware. Like I couldn't watch my kids. I really go into this other space where, um, you know, I'm not really aware of what's going on around me because I'm concentrating so much. Finishing the drawings, I take them home, I scan them, I digitize them, I put color on using Photoshop. And that can take anywhere from one hour to four hours. It's sort of depends. Sometimes it's really straightforward, like, oh, it has a red awning. We'll just make that red. Other times it's like all black facade and a little bit more of a challenge. And then there's a lot of administrative stuff around, you know, communicating with people. And and you were saying you highlighted a specific color in your drawings. Is there any reason? I was really looking for an aesthetic that would work on the page, but also one that I could actually do that's within my skill set. So it's about turning my weaknesses into strengths. I don't really know Photoshop. You know, there's that musician P. Diddy, Sean Combs, right? You know, he um, was a great producer, had tons of stars, whatever, I'm dating myself. Um, but apparently he never knew how to read music. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like the, the, in digital art, I'm like the version of him. Um, I don't really know what I'm doing uh, with the digital stuff. So I wanted to just use one color because that's, all I'm really capable of. And then that becomes more interesting to me as a kind of approach because it's it's like there's the rules of a haiku or a sonnet, right? So you're you're limited by the form, but the limits of the form become its strength. So that's really why I made that choice. And I wanted I wanted an aesthetic that would be unique to me. I really I yeah, I really like the color to it. It shines so much. And I, I like the idea of trying to work something into your projects that you don't know before. And I try to do that with everything, every time with mm -hmm. I do something as well. Drawing your um, sketches, did you notice any patterns between restaurants? And if like there was a specific type of restaurant, did it always have like an awning? That's a great question. I definitely, definitely noticed an inverse relationship between the sort of price point and quality and the elaborateness of the facade. So some of the most expensive, fanciest restaurants have the most, you know, 
minimal signage, least bit of ornamentation. So there's definitely that. Well, that's probably the only conclusion I can make. Otherwise, it's really just a function of, uh, you know, the architecture of a region. What do you choose to include and what do you not choose to include? Because I, I assume there are pe- pedestrians walking on the street and there's other posts. and. Um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I try to leave the people out because they're usually moving around. I try to capture all of the significant architectural features of the place so it's recognizable. Uh, sometimes it depends on my point of view. You know, there'll be the street light will be in the front of it or something. Or um, someone asked me to do a place the other day that I did for them on commission and it turns out it was actually like a secret cocktail place above a burger joint and there was no signage. (laughs) So I was like, hmm, what do I draw? So I drew the burger joint and the upper stories. So if, you know, the person who was interested in this drawing would know that that's where their bar they're interested in is. But then I also drew a lot of stuff in that case around the front, like the poles and the street sign and everything. And and then when I sent him my drawing, I said, hey, I really had fun trying to capture the kind of clandestine nature of this place by including all this other stuff. And he really dug it. He was really into it. In London, I had to include people because the English love to get online and they all queue up in front of the place before the dinner. There's like this whole there's this whole movement of high end, mid price, upper, you know, other upper price restaurants, super high quality, but don't take reservations. So everybody lines up in front of them. Um, and I was there in June. It was gorgeous and people were online. So I got to the place. I, did, I was in London for a limited amount of time. I didn't really have the option of going back another day. So I drew the people. <laughs> yeah. And then in France, I just, there's this, I'll mispronounce the name, but it's the release of the Entrecot. It's this chain of um, French of uh, steak restaurants that's sort of famous. It's a, a mid to low price restaurant. It's like 20 euros or so whatever it is. They only serve uh, steak frites, basically. So you get steak, you get French fries, you get their sauce. That's all they serve. And there's a bunch of different ones. It's like a mini chain with like different family members who own different parts. Figured out which was the first one. And I went and I drew that. And there were people lining up in front because they don't take reservations either. And it's a really good value. The food is good and it's cheap. And so people line up for it. There's another place that I haven't finished the drawing of. It's called Two Toms. It's a really old school red sauce joint here in Brooklyn. And when I drew that one, there was a big flatbed truck in the way and I just drew the flatbed truck in because I feel like sometimes what I'm doing is a little bit like the Google Earth pictures, you know, the Google Street View pictures. And so, you know, sometimes when you look at something on the internet and you like Street View and it's just there's like a big truck in the way, it's kind of a little bit like that because it goes back to my notion of the drawing being this activity that I do that puts me in a moment in time, a place in time. So each drawing represents not just the view of the place, but a view of the place at a particular moment in time also putting like the viewer in that time too which is mm-hmm. a fun thing to think about that's so cool have you had a favorite experience drawing a restaurant and also does that factor into like things you chose for your book how did you go through the process of curating the restaurants for your book oh right well the restaurants for the book uh there's about 100 101 restaurants in the book so there, I wanted to have a mix of places in each borough. There's there's like a few in Staten Island, a few in the Bronx, and 
few in Queens, most are in Brooklyn and Manhattan, but um, that was an important consideration. And then I wanted to have a range of cuisines and I also wanted to sort of have high and low and sort of old and iconic and new and hip. So that was a interesting project to mix things in. And do I have a favorite? So they're a little bit like my children. I love them all uh, in their own way. I guess maybe Junior's Cheese Shop is one that I really like because it was really hard to figure out how to do that one in a way that worked. Whatever it was about that drawing, I, I remember drawing that one really well. I was standing in the middle. It's on this very busy road called uh, Flatbush Avenue, and it's right in downtown Brooklyn. There's a ton of traffic and people, and the street is really wide, and there's a median, and I was standing on the median, and uh, there's people going by and cars going by and stuff, and I was on my lunch hour because I had just started my my new job, and it was right around the corner, so I went over during lunch, my lunch hour you know, to draw it because I knew it would take me whatever, 20 minutes. One thing I wanted to really ask, I was looking at your Instagram yesterday, is what's the story behind the duck on the scooter? Because I know you said you <laughs> have, um, dish, dish pans and your dish rack. Yeah, but I'm curious about that. What, what's the story behind that? Right. I mean, how deep did you dive into my Instagram feed? Like that's, the duck hasn't shown up in a while. Pretty deep. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because um, the duck, the duck on the tricycle is a toy that it's a tchotchke and it belongs to my wife. Um, and uh, like someone gave her a, gave it to her as a gift. It's one of those tin toys from like the early 20th century or something. They still make them. They're really cheap or whatever. It's a colorful little duck on a tricycle. You wind it up and it goes around in circles. But I somehow sees that as like a talisman and decided to start drawing it every morning. That's after the, that's like, I've been doing that for maybe about two years. I've done the dish rack for maybe like three or four. Um, I wanted to see what would happen if I did, the first thing I did in the morning was to draw. So I picked that object because it's um, kind of odd, challenging enough to keep me engaged, but easy enough for me to render in a convincing way. So if you look at back on my Instagram to the very early days, I was posting it a lot because I'd post it every day. Uh, I stopped doing that because I found that, that the duck is somewhat polarizing. Like my wife can't stand the drawings. And um, I feel like maybe the people who are interested in the restaurants aren't so interested in the duck. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I just sort of started leaving that up. I still put it up on my Facebook. This is an awesome conversation. I got to learn so much about your work and drawing in New York and it sounds like a super cool project and the whole idea of doing something daily um, is really inspirational because it's really hard to maintain something in my opinion I've tried it before and like knowing that you took this idea and like you went with it and you really committed yeah I think it will inspire a lot of people oh great I hope so yeah it's really about the reward of the activity itself it has a lot of inherent reward for me so it's not hard to maintain the um, momentum because it's so such a payoff. <laughs> <laughs>